2: We have something extra special and a little bit unexpected for you. As part of the Plymouth Festival of Words, James and I recorded our first ever Histories of the Unexpected Live, and you can now download it on iTunes for just 99p at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected live.
3: If you download it, you will hear about the history of signatures, which of course is all about the reign of Henry VIII, forgery and rebellion you'll also hear about the history of clocks which is about the industrial revolution and how could we forget it the history of the reformation
2: everything's about the reformation with you and it's also of course about nuclear weapons
3: and the titanic of course it is so everybody go to itunes today and download our special histories of the unexpected live or go to historyhit.com forward slash unexpected live This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. And he's Professor Extraordinaire of Early
2: Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising subject oozing
3: with unexpected historical significance. And this week, it's The Ring. Which is all about the history of pugilism, trade wars, love and the marketing of romance. And archery. And archery.
2: If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast,
3: and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. And you can follow Histories of the Unexpected on unexpected pod we are proud to be part of the excellent history hit network home of dan snow's history hit and other great shows and you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months show
2: notes video clips photos of everything we discussed, and much much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 37, or at least we think it's 37, of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio-googling through history, exploring the histories of things you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the history
3: of dogs, frames and vests. Vests. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for vests. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how everything, simply everything, has a history, and crucially, how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of the bookcase, the history of the bookcase, we are in a room crammed with Billy bookcases. Who knew that that was all about the world of knowledge, about power and about chained books? Oh, and secret doors.
2: Mm, Very good. The man sitting opposite me is the entertainer of the Enlightenment. He's Professor
3: James Daybell. And the man sitting opposite me is the Elvis of events. It is the very wonderful (laughs) Dr. Sam Willis. Uh
2: uh Uh, Together, we will be piloting you on this uncharted and frankly highly dangerous flight into the past. Each week, one of us takes the lead, and this week, it's my turn. So, Sam, what
3: have you got for us this
2: week? Um, Well, I've got something that was inspired by something I read on a notice board last week. It's the history of rings.
3: The history of rings. Yeah. Mm. So, check this
2: out. Um, I was at a golf club, and we're doing a family kind of golf competition. Which I won. I just want to say. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was, I didn't know that. There was um, this note on on the notice note. it was one of the saddest notes I'd ever seen. Lost somewhere between the third and seventh T an emerald and diamond ring. Oh, if found, God, please your return worst to Cynthia. Nightmare and,
3: oh, losing a ring like that! I know, that it, valuable.
2: Yes, it made me slightly kind of sweat. It was awful. Did you find it? Um, no, my Did kids. My it? kids wanted to go out and go and find this ring so they could sell it on eBay. Um, no, it's obviously. Um, uh, You're
3: training them well. I am training them well.
2: The, um, the 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 of the the emotional importance of this ring, the value of the ring, really got me thinking about things and also about found rings, about discovered rings, because if you are if you work as a an historian and archaeologist, you come across rings a lot. Yeah. Um, particularly with my work through um, the discovery of shipwrecks, which I'll talk about later. and yeah. I, I, This idea of, of finding a ring and then trying to sort of piece together the, the history of it or work out what it can tell you was mm. really interesting. Do you wear a ring?
3: I do. I wear a, a wedding ring quite consciously. My father didn't have a wedding ring, but he and later in life got a signet ring. Right. He was given it as a, as a birthday present and wore it. And um, But no, no, it was a very conscious choice. I think it, it's very important as a sort of symbolism of a... You know, of a, of a ceremony and a, and a relationship. Yeah. Um, to display that. Yeah. Um, so I wear a so ring. I'm very proud ring. of it. I've
2: got my mine has my initials on it. Um, got a little S and a W oh, there. Is that um, a family tradition? Yep. Yeah, so my dad had one. Um, uh, his father had one. His father had one. Um, so all of the Willis men had it, and then my sister. Um, had a bit of a fit when she realized she wasn't going to get one so she's got one as well. Um but I That I can believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um because I wear on my little finger of my left hand, I don't wear a wedding ring because then I'd have two rings together rings. and they'd Clinking. kind of bash yeah. into each other and, and and clink. So um Does your
3: wife wear a wedding ring? Yes. Yes. Yeah. An engagement ring as yeah. well. So um rings, rings. They have a fascinating and long Really long history. Um, you know, if you think about it archaeologically, you can trace them back to you know ancient civilizations, and they have really distinct meanings. Right? Like, I mean, that's one of the interesting things about them is the you know the, that they're used to pledge love, to seal correspondence, to authenticate documents. Um, they're tokens of memorialization of friendship they honor the dead you know so you've got you've got these sort of um, memento mori rings um, they're in certain cultures, they are um, they're, they're talisman. They're they possessed of, of sort of protective powers. They can symbolise power. Think of think of royal rings, the royal signet. Um, think of bishop's ring and the kissing of the of yeah. the bishop's ring. So it's all about that. They express faith, symbolise power, um, and we also have you know you've talked about we've talked already about signet rings. We've talked about you know engagement rings, rings, wedding rings, but there are a whole variety of rings. It's
2: like a classic example of a history of the unexpected, you know, yeah. the whole purpose of what you yeah. do. Is, you know, everyone, I, I just wake up, put my ring on, don't really think about it, or yeah. I actually oh, really, very I, I, rarely I, take I, it off.
3: I, I never take it off.
2: No. Um, I fiddle with it, though. Yes. No, um, I do as well. I'm, I'm a an fiddler. Sleep. And yeah. I, 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 I lost it once, and then I found it again in a gardening glove, and I'd taken mm. it off when I took my gardening gloves off.
3: Mm. Um, that gave me a fright. Um, when you got your doctorate, did you get a doctoral ring? No. Uh, did you? No, I didn't. But in Denmark and Sweden... Are people with doctorates? Is that um, like the Super Bowl in America? Uh, I, I imagine it's slightly classier <laughs> than, than the Super Bowl. Ring. I'm heading. I'm heading to Sweden next week right. uh, to visit a wonderful friend at the University of Lund, whose PhD comes from. He's a Swedish PhD, so I shall ask to have a look at his doctoral ring. That's interesting. I will take a picture of it and I will I will post it on Twitter for everyone. Good.
2: And everyone, send in your photos photos yep. of the um, of the jewelry on your hands. Gadget rings. Absurd.
3: What's a gadget? Gadget ring? rings, sort of like little spy rings. I'm sure you know the kind of bombs in it. You where know, sort of where with secret compasses and yeah. and sort of little tobacco pouches and I tell um, you where they'll have those that's canisters. Um, the Royal Armory. I was thinking, if they were like I was thinking of that. Yes, if you weaponize a ring, yeah, I'm sure you could. How do you read a ring? This is one of one of the big things. We you know this is a podcast that often talks about things and how do we approach yeah. things? How do you approach? Say you take a ring like this. Yeah, what's the first thing you do? Well, the
2: first thing I might do is look inside it.
3: Um, so you're so, looking for that's the typical typical historian. You're looking for writing.
2: Yeah. Um and I and have inscriptions. I have my um uh the the <laughs> that's not my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's um Somebody else's ring. Somebody else's ring. I'll be wearing all my life. Uh it's no that's the that's the date I was eighteen. Uh.
3: Um
2: so I'd look inside it. You'd look at um, whether it was w- it's, it's particularly worn. You'd look at what it was made of, um, size, you, the size. Absolutely, you can you can tell um, a great deal from that. I mean, mine's obviously very worn, and you can you can see that it's been loved and cherished and bashed as well. Um, anyway, so j- just while I'm holding this, w- w- one of the things that that really got me thinking about this is um, I was doing some work on some on two things. One was the Armada and the other is a early 17th century shipwreck in the Caribbean called the Atosha. The Atosha got wrecked in 1622. It was a treasure ship coming from uh, South America. Hmm. It was how the Spanish funded their empire. So Hmm. they had these amazing silver mines, they had emeralds, uh, they had gold, and they were bringing it all across to Spain, funded the economy and allowed them to build navies among other things and armies. Um, So the the Spanish were, were kind of funded by treasure Extraordinarily treasure ships. Um, yeah, we borrowed yeah. money. We 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 yeah. um, we basically mortgaged ourselves up to the hills against the the value of trade. And our
3: privateers intercepted these and, and ships. stole it all. <laughs> yes. But um, it's a very interesting,
2: different way of of um, mm. of, of funding empires. Mm. One of these ships goes down. Um, and then it was it was it was found again by a guy who was who used to be a chicken farmer. <laughs> and he became obsessed with this <laughs> ship. And found it. And and you know, it made him fl- not in the
3: middle of a chicken field.
2: Not or, in the middle of a chicken no. field, no, but off the sea in Florida. But it, it made him, you know, forty million dollars. Very famously. Right. Um so here's one of those rings. Um, they oh, are
3: absolutely Stunning. exquisite. Is that an emerald in the so middle? It's
2: emerald. Square cut. It, square cut. Large. Th- yeah. Those are not yeah. small emeralds. And, A bling um, ring. It absolutely is. And um, as well as, as these, these kind of rings, they found sort of emeralds like golf balls in chests. Um, quite extraordinary. Gosh. Um, so th- that one got me thinking about um, what was kind of... The association between rings and shipwreck, because it is very strong. There's another one here, and that one's from the Armada.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, Along with a lot of other jewellery, it's been discovered from wrecks from the Armada. Um, they're all gold. Um, gold can just live under the sea for ages and ages and ages. And nothing happens to It's one of the kind of distinctive things about it. It's why it's a hmm. slightly magical thing for maritime archaeologists. Um, this has two hands clasped together, and the inscription, No tengo mas que date. I have nothing left to give you. Hmm. I have been really interested in this because, particularly the Atosha, the i sorry, the, the the Girona wreck, which is this Armada one. You get a sense of the the soldiers and the sailors of the Spanish Armada going to their deaths, heavily laden with exquisite jewellery. Um, that, that, that matters for two reasons. One is that there, there's a whole kind of shadowy mass of normal sailors who weren't kitted out like this. Yeah. But the, the other one is is this idea of sailors wearing wearing fingerings um which is um exceptionally dangerous and quite an odd thing to do mm. um i found a quote um, basically when I mean, if you get your hand trapped or pulled on a bit of rope
3: oh i can imagine um, you
2: can get these horrific injuries um one of them is called uh called a ring avulsion injury and it is um it's known as degloving.
3: Oh! You don't have pictures of this, do you? <laughs> no, I don't no. actually. But um, I can imagine, the, like literally pulling all the it strips skin. the skin off oh, your finger, and it leaves yikes. it leaves a bone. I've just had a shiver go down my yeah. spine. from that. Are,
2: this is a, this is a quote of some 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 Paul Sod who who. Um, was sailing and hurt his finger the water was a lot deeper than i thought or for some reason the anchor didn't bite so i fed more rope out and all of a sudden the anchor bedded in boat moving about five or six knots at this point and the rope crushed my fingers together and tore the top off my ring i somehow managed to extract my fingers from the rope Three fingers on each hand were broken. Needless to say, things went from bad to worse at this stage as I was single-handed and without the use of either of my hands. My index finger was nearly torn off and had to be operated on to rejoin the bone and repair other internal tissue Yikes. damage. I learned a lot of lessons that day. I bet you did. Um, well, one of which is obviously you don't wear rings on boats. Um so this this kind of idea of, of 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 rings being dangerous I've become slightly obsessed with, hmm. and I've been looking through portraits of um, naval captains, English naval captains, and none of them wear wear rings. Um, and I reckon that if you, I, I don't know the answer, to this. naval book.
3: captains wouldn't be up the rigging to kind of doing those sort of things, though, would they?
2: Uh, no, but they would have. Even officers would, right. would have been moving around deck, and you're near moving right. stuff near, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I reckon if you went onto one of the English chips, I, I would like to suggest that I don't think an English sailor would be wearing rings on his fingers because of the dangers of having it. So um, I, I think two of the really interesting points about rings is one is found rings, and that's how, how much yeah. of history we learn from rings that have just been discovered in fields or golf courses yeah. or shipwrecks. And two is this idea about rings being dangerous hmm. and, and how that has kind of changed over history.
3: Hmm. Fascinating. Mm. I want to take rings in a completely different direction. And <clears throat> I want to talk about wedding rings, engagement rings, um, the invention of the diamond engagement ring,
1: hmm.
3: which is a relatively um, late phenomenon. What is it? Uh, 20th century phenomenon. I mean, we can trace the wedding ring band, um, which... you you give to somebody um, uh, as a sort of indication of of marriage. The earliest we've got, we can trace back to ancient Egypt. Um, We can also see them in ancient Rome and Greece. And there are various sort of styles. Uh, I've got some examples here uh, from the 16th and 17th century. We've got the fede ring or the hand ring. Here, which we've got an example here from the Victoria and Albert Museum. It's a bit like the the one we've got it's, here. It's isn't exactly it? it's really like modern, the one yeah. you've, so you've, you've got. So two clasping hands, which provide two, the lock. Two clasping and ring. hands, which provide the which provide the lock. And sometimes these open out so that you have three interconnecting bands that are joined by a, by hand, which you can see here. Yeah. We've got two bands there, or you have the posy ring. That's beautiful. That um, I mean that looks like the Lord of the Rings ring. It does. The the the, the one ring to yeah. To so it's rule it's very all.
2: smooth. It's gold and it's got kind yeah. of beautiful. Calligraphic script inside yeah. it. How do you do that? I mean, the, the, interesting the manufacturer of rings is, is interesting. I mean, I have no idea how you engrave the inside of rings. ring. It's
3: like those people that put the name on a grain of rice. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, but I mean, the, the, the symbolism here though is, is the symbolism of the ring suggesting, you know, eternity at being a circle. And also the, the sort of motto inside it, I think is, is really telling. Providence divine hath made. Um, and you can collect all sorts of little verses that you see on 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 wedding rings um from the period i've got a couple of others here the bodleian uh, not the bodleian library the ashmolean library in oxford has 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 quite a good collection love is fixed i will not range i like my choice i will not change wit health and beauty all do dwell but constant love doth far excel. That's a hell of a lot to put on the inside on the inside of a ring. But it, it's it's really it's really important, and people remember what they put on on wedding rings. Um, I was in the Bodleian a couple of years ago, just just um, working on a book called Family and Materials of Memory, which will will be out in, in in a decade. I think it's a very very big project. But just calling up all sorts of random. Um, uh, manuscripts and miscellanies, and there was this one wonderful collection um, connected to Hannibal Baskerville, who is a, a 17th century antiquarian, and he records um, one of his um, godfather's um, sort of lives. And in the, in the life, as he's telling his as he's telling his life, he he refers to the godfather's two wives and the inscriptions on their wedding ring. Now, the first wife. Um, is uh, love's life 's love is little worth uh her surname was worth so it 's a sort of pun on that the second wife uh, is called constance um constant be constant thy life resplendent but it 's this idea i mean it 's both of them are sort of ridiculous and punning but it 's this sense that you um that it 's it 's seen to be worth recording um in fifteen forty nine in the book of Common Prayer... We see the ring coming into the service with this ring, I thee wed, um, which is followed by this gold and silver, I give thee. So it's sort of, you know, I think it's about marriage being a sort of a a, a contract. It's a, it's it's almost a sort of a a, a sort of an economic um, relationship. The other interesting thing is which which finger you wear your yeah. your wedding ring on. Um, do you know the reason why it's the the fourth finger? On the left hand... No, I do not know why. It is supposed to be the heart vein, um, the vein or nerve that leads directly to the heart. So it's associated with, with romance. Henry Swinburne in a 17th century book on marriage... Coins this,
2: so it's deeply. Is it, you wonder, is it
3: actually the heart vein? Is that a made-up vein? Is that what they thought it was? I imagine it isn't. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I imagine it isn't as well. But what a weird, you know. If you're going
1: to
2: work it out and, and reckon that that's what it is, that, yeah. Their, their thought process I, behind that would be really interesting.
3: I, I, There'd I be a reason for it. I think anatomists have traced a sort of a vein that comes from here mm. and sort of goes. But but you know. But, but I think it, it it was it was deemed to be that before people actually started opening people up and checking where the veins went. Um, I love that, though. I, I, they're not exactly guessing. There would have
2: been some kind of reason based on, on what about yeah. how they thought the body worked.
1: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum.
3: The engagement ring, which yes. is where I was going, the invention of the engagement ring, um, of course, is related to Tiffany's and Tiffany diamonds, is relatively modern. Hmm. Um, and it's connected to De Beers in the late 19th century, diamond mines in South Africa. And basically, the market was flooded with diamonds. And some bright sparks, uh, in the U.S. in New York. So is this
2: New- the 1910s? The
3: ni- uh, this is this is the late 19th century. Oh, right. But, okay. then, but then the market gets flooded, and then in the early 20th century, um, the you know some ad agency and marketing people, um, you know, were kind of wondering how on earth do we sell. This mar- how, do, how on earth do we sell all of these diamonds that have flooded the market? And so uh, a New York ad agency, NWA, uh, basically starts a, a marketing campaign to persuade people to buy rings. And I've got an example here um, in, in Reader's Digest, um, which is um, a 1960 De Beers ad in Reader's Digest, which shows a, a woman... Underneath uh, uh, a a tree, lying on the ground with a bling. She's like she's engaged. Like ring. she's
2: stoned with happiness. is yeah. how I would describe it. She's and um li- just sort of flops against punning the tree. On stoned.
3: Um, And the size of the engagement ring, particularly in North America, particularly in North America, is incredibly important and is all about status. But what's interesting, I have here, and I apologise for this, for introducing a set of graphs. He's showing uh, me graphs. uh, I'm showing him graphs. But this is is absolutely fascinating because what it shows is the way in which um, diamond engagement rings have... Spread across the world, the fashion for it. So it started in the in the US. So in 1940, um, about 10% of women uh, wore diamond engagement rings. By 1990, it is over 80%. Wow, of people. So it has really spread. Have a look at this. We then moved to Japan. Japan is slightly behind the curve. In 1965, five yeah. percent of people wear rings. 1995, 77. Blimey. Percent are wearing. Now, here's the interesting thing: China. You know, we know a lot about the sort of advancement of China. We know a lot about the markets being opened up. You know, and what we see here is is effectively the the export of this sort of engagement ring culture. 1994. You know, very very few people are wearing you know yeah. engagement rings. We've got about one or two percent here. By 2010. Over 30%. Ooh, it's coming, so, is so, it? so it's coming that's and it's rising. All... And think about the enormous market there. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I, I love a good graph. And that's yes. an excellent one. It's, that is uh, an excellent graph. So that's, that's really good. Uh, interestingly, when I bought my wife uh, her engagement ring, um, we showed it to a friend. She said, oh, lovely, but it's not an engagement ring. Oh, And I was like, what a weird thing to say. How disappointing.
3: It's so rude. Yes. It is an engagement why, why ring. Why was it not an engagement because ring? Because
2: she envisaged an engagement ring to be a slim band with a massive diamond on it. Right. I, apparently, I bought I bought Tosa a friendship ring, oh. um, but as far as I'm concerned, it was a engagement ring.
3: And it's, it, you know, so yeah. it's, it's got jewels all the way around it. But it's how you it's how you associate it's it's people's association with yeah. the diamond engagement ring. Yeah,
2: it was quite a quite a punchy thing to say. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: it is actually an engagement ring. Yeah, there was. <laughs> I remember sitting in the cinema, you know, years ago when there was that um, you to get that um, diamond engagement um, ring advert which was, you know, how how, how could a, a month's salary last a lifetime? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, right, so look at these. I'm just going okay. kind to of carry on my theme. Oh, of, um, of, Sam. Of in- I know. I know. I, 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 <laughs> Should we go back to the graphs? Because they're, they're
3: much more sound. He's showing me pictures of lopped off fingers here.
2: Um, so the one on the right is an X-ray from a World War II, I think, yeah. soldier who's, who's had the tips of his fingers shot off. Ooh. And on the left is a a much earlier one. So that's a hand-drawn kind of surgeon's manual on the different types of finger injury you can sustain and how they were dealt with. So one of of my points I just want to make very briefly is that whether the injury is caused by rings or not... um, Hands are exceptionally difficult to operate on, and to and yep. to to kind of actually rebuild and and to actually make work again if you've injured mm, yourself mm. Um, horrifically, um, and our understanding of it has dramatically changed um, by warfare. So, the first world war, second world war, mm. and that's when specialized uh, people who specialized in. Um, in finger surgery, re- really, were, were forced to change the way that they worked because there were so many soldiers coming in with um, with, yeah. with damaged hands. It's the same
3: with the with the Iran and Ra- Iraq, the Afghanistan and, and Lower Iraq limbs. wars, Lower yeah. limb injuries, and yeah. the, the medical advancement. Yeah, yeah.
2: So um, rings are, you know, in that respect, um, you know, t- the, with their association with fingers and finger injury, um, it is all linked to it. But it also makes me wonder what you'd do if you if you were wearing a ring. Uh, and you've lost your fingers, and then you 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 then have got nowhere to put your ring. So um, you could put it on the other hand, or ne- a necklace around so, your neck. Yeah, so that's another yeah. um, thing. Lots of people will wear that if they are uh, doing uh, an activity that that is physical that would be dangerous because yeah. they're wearing a ring. will take it off or wear it around their neck yeah. as a, as a necklace. Um. So we've gone from found rings to to the danger of rings yeah. um, and damage. So I just want to sort of. Uh, kind of flip wrist round the other way, and, and talk about rings as protection, um, because you can actually yeah. there is a whole history of people wearing rings to protect their hands. And one of the most interesting w- um, things are these um, these they're they're absolutely beautiful. And I think if if you have any type of, of of ring these are my favorites They're, they are archers thumb rings um ah. from central asia gosh look at those those are exquisite they are and they, they are made out of they can be made out of leather stone horn wood bone ivory metal ceramics a whole variety of things a lot of them are very uh, jeweled they are they are pieces of jewelry in their own right as well as a functional thing so so it's to do with how uh the chinese uh indians ottomans fired their bows so the uh english used a, a traditional two or three finger draw yeah. pulling it back um but, but these
3: guys had a thumb ring and they
2: clipped the edge of the um hussimi oh, so practical arrow in a really
3: in a re- protective in a very practical sense rather than in a very, sort of yeah, 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 magical yeah. sense um yeah
2: and you 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 pull it back and you have your palm down which is a much more sort of ergonomic way of doing it and you yeah. just, your fingers, and it is it's so much more efficient, it is so much more effective, and that is how these all of the um, the Central Asian warriors, the Chinese warriors, uh, Japanese, Korean, Indians, Ottomans that is how they all fired their bows. But we didn't, we carried on using the technique we used for our longbows mm. for absolutely centuries, and um. So not only is this an idea of a, of a ring being imported protection, but it's also linked to technology and I think most interestingly of all it's it's linked to one of these examples of technology that wasn 't passed down the Silk Road so when people write and talk about the Silk Road, so much focus is on things that were passed down the Silk yeah. Road like spices and paper yeah, printing yeah, yeah, presses yeah, yeah. mathematics yeah. these kind of a huge flow of cultural exchange but there's an equally large body of things that weren't. Yeah. And and we still don't really know why. We still don't. I mean, plenty of people knew how they did this and they would have come back, but nothing changed. Whereas in other examples yeah. of cultural differences, things changed. So for me, hmm. that thumb ring opens up a kind of a, a really fascinating historical Kind of conundrum which which historians have still not quite worked out yet, um, because of this this desire and need to link east with west mm. through cultural exchange through um these ideas and to, to prove that east w- uh, was influential in west and west was influential in east, but by no means did everything flow flow no, that way, no. and there were there were weird barriers and borders that stopped things yeah. and um I think that's fascinating,
3: so the East meets west is all about the history of rings, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Or well, not. East Brilliant. doesn't meet West. Brilliant. Well it does only on the battlefield. Yeah. Brilliant. What's next? Um well, do you know what? Um we haven't talked about gloves. <laughs> um, and I'm not am not gonna I'm not gonna talk about gloves. Um but gloves came up on Twitter yesterday. Somebody said how long would it take me to get gloves in to uh, podcast? Um, especially for you. Uh, I'm thinking about rings and gloves. And one of the things that's always concerned me is is what do you We've talked about the wedding ring. We've talked about um And in the past, we've talked about, um, you know, gender relations in the uh, 16th and 17th century um, and women's sort of subordinate position. So one of the questions that's always struck me is what do women do when they go outside and they're wearing gloves? What do they do with their ring? Do they wear their ring underneath? Interesting. In which case, nobody knows whether they're married. Because one of the reasons that women would have worn a a wedding ring was to show that she wasn't single that she was somebody else's wife, um, would she have worn it underneath, in which case it's very difficult to tell, uh, or would she have worn it over the ring? Or would there, in certain cases, you have gloves with slits in them oh. and you can actually see? Anyway, that's that's an aside. I wasn't going there. <laughs> i d- literally off the top of my head now. I want to talk about rings with meaning. Right. Um, so I've got a series of examples here. What do you make of that? Uh, the one on the left or the one on the right? They're the same ring. Oh, that's that's it. That's it open. This is Elizabeth I's locket ring. That's great. Uh, so we, it's um it's a gold ring but with
2: 1 2 20 rubies. It's got rubies, it's got diamonds. Diamonds, beautiful square cut of pearl. Uh it looks very modern. The the dime, there's a, there's an E for Elizabeth made out of square cut yeah. diamonds.
3: Yeah. Anyway, it, that that clearly opens up, and inside it is a portrait of, of... Elizabeth, yes, and of her mother, her mother Anne, Anne Boleyn. Boleyn. Mm. And Boleyn, aren't you doing something on Henry the Eighth and love and in in, in 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 politics in a little bit? We are. I'm doing one of my history masterclasses with Susie Lipscomb. Ah. We are doing Henry the Eighth in love and war. Well, mm. it's all it's all about rings. Mm. This is about this is, you know um, Henry VIII's second wife here. Um, you know, very, very key stuff. So this is a ring that is now at Chequers. It has been on display at Greenwich uh, National Maritime Museum as part of an exhibition. And it is thought to be the ring that Elizabeth died in. She died wearing, and it was supposedly removed from her finger when she died on the twenty fourth of March sixteen o three by Robert Carey. Mm. He then rode to the Scottish border to present it to James the Sixth of Scotland, who then became James the Sixth of Scotland and James I of England um and yeah, as you see it's um Elizabeth here and her mother here mm. and you know you've got to think about you know what what is the what is the symbolism the significance of wearing that you know she knows all too well the history of her mother mm. you know her mother's tragic fall from power but so she
2: she's kept it Kept it, but, worn it. She's kept it, worn it, but she's kept the memory of her mother very, very close. But she's kept yeah. it very, very secret.
3: But it's secret because it's this. Yeah, I think that's the thing that we need to explain. The e sort of the the, the front of the ring comes off to reveal these tiny little miniature portraits. Yeah, which is very common of, in of, that period of so mother and daughter. Not very, very common, yeah. but it was it was yeah.
2: a, there was a fashion to have, have yeah. these these miniature portraits. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it does kind of it, it it's opens fascinating. Up. Yeah. yeah. It opens yeah. up a window into her history, wondering how, yeah. how and why, yeah. how she thought about that yeah. relationship.
3: I want to move on to look at, a, you know, we're looking at rings with meaning, memento mori, and mourning rings. So rings that are designed to commemorate somebody who's died. Um, so a ring that, um, and what we have here is a 17th century ring. We've got a skeleton there it's a gold ring you've and got a skeleton
2: holding a dagger and an hourglass and an hourglass which but, is but, almost identical to blackbeard's pirate flag it is,
3: it is. <laughs> but, but what, what's 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 even more interesting is the lock of hair oh yeah in it which which you see which you see behind so there's sort of this sort of braid of hair um that you can see there, and and, and I think you know, I, actually, that that's something in itself that is is fascinating. Can't remember whether when we did our podcast on hair, whether we looked at hair as a sort of momentum and keepsake. We did, yeah. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but absolutely, absolutely amazing example. I was rummaging around in the attics in in Powderham Castle in Devon recently, mm-hmm. and came across um, lockets of hair, um, not in rings, but but tucked in into into little love letters. Um, the final thing that I want to talk about is signet rings. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the, what we have here is a very sort of practical use of rings. You know, this is, um, we're talking here about a, a period pre the envelope, when you you know and we've talked about this in the past, when you fold up your your letter, you seal it with wax and you'd seal it with you know you have a variety of seals, fob seals, desk seals, um, but people would have had signet rings that they would have worn around with them so they would be able to authenticate mm. as they as they went, and we've got some really fascinating examples of these that survive um one of the one of the most um one of the most interesting that I've come across is John Donne, the poet. John mm-hmm. Donne, uh, late Elizabethan, early Jacobean poet, um, who has a series of of signet rings uh, across his life, a series of seals. And they change. And they change according to... So the family, um, the family seal is a sheaf of snakes. There's one with a wolf a rampant. A sheaf of what? A sheaf of snakes a here. Sheaf. A sheaf of snakes. Right. So like a sort of... You know, like a sheaf of corn, except they're snakes. Uh, except they're snakes' heads. It's easily the coolest signaling yeah. I've ever seen. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Um, but but when he when he gets ordained, so he gets into all sorts of trouble. He gets ordained. Um, he then his then his signet then changes, and it's Christ crucified on an anchor. Um, wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's to sort of to represent that. Um, so it's about sealing correspondence. It's about. Authentication—it's actually about the the pre-signature. Yeah, brilliant, incredible.
2: So, um, one last one—I'm just going to—I came across this, which I adore. Um, it's a 15th-century ring, but inside it is a Roman jewel, essentially, with a, with a carved... Um, is that a
3: scarab or something in there?
2: It's, it's like a scorpion.
3: Scorpion. Um, mm. And
2: this links back to my other idea about um, rings as protection, but this is rings as spiritual protection, or rings ah, as a charm.
3: Lovely. Um, and, uh, it was, Lord of the Rings again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is, so this is all to do with um, protecting yourself from fever and from poison, and all sorts of association between scorpions and water. But what I love about this is this link... Is the ring as a link between past and present? So, so the the present you have this fifteenth century uh, outside this, this the um, you know it's holding it, but in the centre is something much, much, much older. Yeah, and that ring is a wonderful example of 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 how and why people were fascinated with the ancient world in the fifteenth and the sixteenth centuries, uh, and it's exactly the same actually with the Spanish ring I began with at the beginning the the gold and the emerald, hmm. and um it's 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 why it, you can't just sort of say oh that's an emerald and then pass it on that's actually that that's made by Spanish goldsmiths, but they've put a emerald from South America which is all linked to the wealth of the Aztecs into their ring so that is also a fascinating link between past and present and it also has this kind of strong symbolism of Empire yeah. to it um just in the way that this does as well because it's all to do with the uh, people using the past as a tool of legitimization. So they're studying the past. They're linking themselves physically with the past. They're saying this has happened before. In this case, it's Roman. So they're saying in, in, in England, the Romans were here. We're going to do what we associate ourselves with this kind of empire building, uh, and it's it's very similar with with the Spanish one. Those rings actually talk about the conquistadors. They talk about yeah. um, the, the, the 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 Spanish conquest of South America.
3: It's also about the quality of craftsmanship, yeah. the fact that you've got that kind of you know those that sort of technology, that advanced technology, in order to be able to do this, which suggests something about this, the, the you know the the civilization in which they're living you know, the power of it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... I, it, we haven't talked about fairy rings. Fairy any, rings? Any, you know, there are all sorts of things. We could, have, we could have talked about fairy rings and, you know, all sorts of things. So
2: get in touch with your, your stories about rings. And um, if you're at Woodbury Golf Course, there's an emerald and diamond ring somewhere between the third and the seventh hole. Excellent. Uh, everyone hunt for it and um, get in touch. Let us know your stories. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.
3: Bye. Elvis has left the building. <laughs>
2: If you enjoy this podcast and you like learning about the past, check out my latest venture. It's called History Masterclass, and it's a new type of historical event where you can actually learn in person from the best historians around today in unique and stunning historical locations. You can find out more at Historymasterclass.com and follow on Facebook and Twitter.